This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. God. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We've been talking about sacrifice by faith. Amen. Talking about sacrifice by faith. We started on Sunday. I've been talking about what faith is. And I pray to God that God has done a realignment, a reshaping of values, a reshaping of your views. And I hope that the Lord is strengthening your convictions in him, making you to understand what faith is about so that you can have a deeper and more meaningful faith walk, a deeper and more meaningful faith walk, a, a broader and stronger faith walk that cannot be moved by the things of this earth, that cannot be changed by the things of this earth. A faith walk that will, that will strengthen your convictions. I pray that the Lord has helped me to do that for you. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17. I began on Sunday to say that if you are going to walk by faith, you will make sacrifices. You will make sacrifices. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Hallelujah. What a beautiful commentary. He says, Abraham reasoned. And as I was telling you that if you're going to walk by faith, you're going to have to use your brain sometimes. Abraham reasoned that the God that said in Isaac shall my, how did he put it now? That through Isaac, your offspring will be reckoned. The God that said that through Isaac, my offspring will be reckoned, now asks me to separate, to sacrifice that Isaac. And I know from my revelation that this God is the maker of the universe. He is the one God. (laughs) Abraham was the father of faith. Abraham was the first man that came on the scene that we know of that said there is only one God and there is no other God. That revelation, that idea, it cannot be man-made. Do you know that? In the Bronze Age, so nobody wakes up and says there is only one God. When you are coming out in a primordial state of civilization as a human being and you see the sun, you see water, you see clouds, you see animals, you see grass, your natural instinct is to be say, there's one God doing this one. There's one God doing this one. There's one God doing this one. That's why in all the cultures all over the world, there are mutual agreements. One thing they all agreed on was that they had many gods. One man came up and said, there's only one God. He didn't come up with it. The God showed up to him. Do you understand that? And he didn't say, because my ancestors were pagan worshippers. It doesn't make sense. He believed that God. And so that's why he became the father of faith for everybody. Hallelujah. Now that God now says, it is in this one that your offspring will be reckoned. That God now says, I will take, you need to sacrifice this one to me. And the guy reasoned, he used his brain to say, that's why sometimes when we're having issues with unbelief, we're simply not thinking hard enough. Do you know that? <laughs> now sometimes when you're having times in your faith, when you're shaking, at that time, there are sometimes that the solution is for you to just think harder. Just think, 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 think. The guy reasoned that the God that said it is in this one that my seed will be reckoned is the same God that is the Yahweh that I saw and is the one that says that he can, he can do all things. I've seen that he can do all things. He can make me to have a child at 100. 
then he, raising a person from the dead cannot be the problem for him. So therefore, if he's asking me to drop this child, it must be that he has a plan to bring him back up. Hallelujah. And I say he reasoned, so he knew that God could even raise the dead. Hallelujah. So in a like manner, he did receive him back from the dead. Hallelujah. So what he meant was that, you know, in the big picture, we now understand better what was actually happening there. And for Abraham to finish the purpose of God for him, he had to demonstrate God's eternal plan. It was God's plan that the father of faith would also be the one that would demonstrate the eternal plan that God was bringing to do. So that if a man can do it, it will not be unimaginable when God shows up and says, I'm doing it. Do you understand that? Do you hear what I just said now? That if a man can love hard enough, can believe hard enough, then it will not be strange when God shows up to do it. But if we look at it now in Abraham's particular case, there are some things that begin to show up. For Abraham, in fact, in Abraham's entire career of faith, in Abraham's entire career of faith, from chapter 12 to chapter 22, the entire career of faith, it was a series of sacrifices after another. A series of sacrifices after another. And everything culminated in one major sacrifice. If a man, if the just shall live by faith, there are some things that the just cannot hold at the same time with the will of God. There are some things that the just must drop if he's going to live by faith. Are you what I said to you? There are some things that the just must drop, must let go of if he's going to live by faith. There are some things that the just cannot juggle. Let me tell you what Abraham actually sacrificed. You will now see why he's the father of faith. Do you know what he actually sacrificed? If Abraham understood everything, just like we said, then what was his real sacrifice? Does it mean that he did not sacrifice anything? He actually sacrificed something. Do you know what he sacrificed? That event was the final demonstration of the fact that Abraham sacrificed every confidence that he had in the flesh. <laughs> That's what Abraham actually sacrificed. We are the circumcision. <laughs> we are the circumcision. The Bible says that Abraham received the circumcision as an ordinance. We are the circumcision. That do not glory in the flesh. But we do what? We worship in the spirit. We have no confidence in the flesh. We have no confidence in the flesh. Abraham did that. You know what he did? He... That was a, an opportunity for him to show that, okay, this is the son that I finally have. If I kill him, where will another one come from? You know that fear comes from someone who looks at himself as the place where the child came from. Do you understand that? You are looking at the child and say, I cannot sacrifice him. It's because you are looking at yourself as the place that the child comes from. But Abraham reasoned and he understood that this child did not come from me in the first place. Because the God that can make a dead body to have this child is able to raise the dead. If he's able to raise the dead, this child did not come from me. Therefore, I have no confidence in myself. I am immaterial in this matter. My state is immaterial in this matter. Because God is able to do what he has promised to do. Therefore, I will trust in God. 
I will sacrifice this child because I know that he's able to raise him up from the dead. He, all the confidence that he had in the flesh, that is what he actually sacrificed. Ah, God looked at him and said, Ah, in blessing, I will bless you. He said, I've so, you see, I swear, what life, our lives will be lie. He said, you got it. Hallelujah. And that is what the believer actually does when he receives the gospel. That's actually, actually what you do. You are actually submitting your righteousness. All the righteousness of yourself. You are submitting your eternity. You are submitting everything to God. Saying that God, I have no confidence in myself. I am not able to make myself righteous. The righteousness cannot come from me. I am immaterial in this thing. I will lay down my flesh. I will lay down my righteousness and receive your own. And that is why a man that lays down his life for Christ will receive it. And a man that is not willing to lay down his life will not what? Get his back. Matthew, no, okay, let me finish. Let me finish this. And you see this thing begins to happen. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Jacob's life is another exemplification of the sacrifices that a man had to make to walk by faith. Jacob was first of all a rascal. Hmm? And then he met God and his life changed. Now, the former man that was willing to scam people was the man that was willing to give everything he had for reconciliation. Jacob got to a certain point where he met God that his entire behavior, his entire view of life, he was a man that was willing to stay 14 years in order to get what he wanted from labor. He was a man that was willing to go back home knowing that his life was under threat. He was willing to lay it down for the sake of that reconciliation. There is something that happens when a man begins to walk by faith. That means according to the purpose of God. Don't forget what defined faith as. Faith is knowing God, knowing his will, and doing what? Acting accordingly. Once a man, and God shows up to a man, reveals himself to a man, and shows him his will, and that man begins to act accordingly, there are some things that you have to start sacrificing. There are some things you cannot be doing again. There are some things you have to sacrifice. And so Jacob had to sacrifice his entire former identity to now become Israel. <laughs> Praise God. Stretch out together. Verse 26 says, By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Look at the, look at the statement of Joseph's reconciliation after, he, after his brothers came and he saw his brothers. Look at that statement. He says that you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. A man that has seen the will of God for his life and is walking in accordance to that will of God, right? There are some things you have to let go of. In Joseph's case, he had to let go of his right to vindication. His right to vengeance. He had to let go of it. Hmm. People look at it and say, oh, we're children of God, we don't... I don't really see how that is much of a sacrifice. What's the big deal? What's the big deal about that? I don't see how that is much of a sacrifice. You lie. It's because you are not thinking about your seat. You are not putting yourself in issues. I'm very sure that in your life now, that there are some vindication sacrifices that you have refused to make. 
There are some people that have said some things, that have done some things that have betrayed you, that you have refused to relinquish your rights to get your payback. I hope you know vengeance is a kind, you have it. Retribution. Retribution, that's the word. When someone does evil to you, there is a certain right to do your own back. That's what retribution is. A man that will walk by faith must relinquish that right to retribution. And that's why many of you are thinking that you have sacrificed it, but you have not actually sacrificed it. You are pretending to sacrifice it, but you have not sacrificed it. And the way you are getting it back, the way you are fulfilling your retribution, the way you are taking out your rights is by slander. You say evil about the person. You rejoice when evil happens to the person. You refuse to have fellowship with the person, even when the person repents. You are punishing the person. You are trying to socially ostracize the person. You are doing your own. You didn't relinquish it. You didn't. Joseph had to relinquish it because that's one thing about faith. It's organic. Once a man believes God, knows God and believes God, he sees the will of God and he believes God the will of God, and he's walking according to it, even your perspective begins to change. So on that day, Joseph now lets go of it. So even though you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Hallelujah. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. <laughs> I like the writer of Hebrew. He said, for the sake of Christ. As of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, he was looking ahead to his reward. Oh, glory to God. He said, Moses, God showed up to Moses. And Moses refused to be known. He had to relinquish um, royalty, Egyptian royalty. He had to relinquish the Egyptian royalty. He had to sacrifice Egyptian royalty for the sake of the purpose of God. For the sake of the will of God. That's why, you know, that's why you have to understand that faith is not, ah, let me say it again. Faith is not just you coming up and cooking stuff and say, I'm believing for it. Faith is God's revelation of his will and you walking in line with it. Moses did not just wake up and say, look at the beautiful story. The guy saw injustice and decided to go about solving the injustice his own way. And he landed in trouble for it. Do you see that? He landed in trouble for it. Sure, you know that thing Moses did. After God sent him a message, he did the same thing, but now it was sanctioned by God. Do you know that? Sure, you know. You don't believe. Ah, sorry, it's the truth. He shocked you. <laughs> it's true. One person was maltreating another person, and he judged that person with capital punishment. What do you think happened to the Canaanites? What do you think happened? Do you know the difference between that one and the next one? Walking by faith. One is, I sent you a message, go and do it. The other one is, I'm believing for it. That's the difference. Do you understand what I just said now? Faith is God sends you a message. And then you go and do what he said. Not you coming and doing whatever you like. Even if you feel like it. Even if it is your desire. It doesn't matter. It must be God's word that you walk in accordance to. That is, how, that is how faith has to be. That is the only way faith can be. Hallelujah. 
Are we together at church? The Bible says that when the man began to walk by faith, he had to relinquish the, pre- the pleasures of, of Egypt. You know, doing a, I mean, doing a, a little study into ancient Egyptian history and all that. And, you know, studying it made me realize what Moses actually relinquished. Moses relinquished something. Ah. <laughs> what Moses left, left, um, what Moses left, what Moses sacrificed was a big deal. The wealth of the pharaohs, the power of the pharaohs, the raw power, the raw wealth, there was nothing they could not do. There was nothing they could not do. Do you know what it means to be able to organize like 30 to 50,000 people to be building your graveyard for like 30 years? Imagine the power that they are going to quarry stones from a far country just to build your grave, not your palace, your grave. Do you know what those pyramids are? They are the graves. You employ 50,000 people to be building your palace for, for, for 20, 30 years. Just to be building your grave alone. <laughs> Power. Money. They, they, see, everything that in this material world somebody could imagine was available to the pharaohs. He was literally a god. And Moses left it because God had sent him a message. If they're going to work by faith, they're going to make some painful sacrifices. Hallelujah. By faith, the people, um, verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's hunger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Ah, yeah. Look at that statement. Because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that he destroyed so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, and when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho, after the army, had marched through them for seven days. The children of Israel had to make sacrifices to pass through the Red Sea. I hope you understand that. Do you know that? Look at what happened to them. When they're about to say, they said that, why did you bring us out here to die? Let us go back and go and beg. They had to sacrifice their security. For them to enter the purpose of God for their lives. Tell you what I'm saying to you. They had to sacrifice their sense of security. For the purpose of God to be fulfilled in their lives. By faith, the walls of Jericho, after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Rahab's zone is even very interesting. You know, she even had to first sacrifice everything she knew. She had to sacrifice her hometown. <laughs> Literally. She believed God. Her hometown people did not believe God. She believed in the message that Joshua was coming, that there is a God who all the Canaanites must bow down to. There is a Yahweh, there is a Jehovah who is coming. And all the other gods were saying it's just another God. Rehab said, no, this one that we have heard what he has done. We are hearing the things that he's doing. He is the God. And all of us must bow down to him. That's one thing that many people don't understand. Many people think that the story of the Canaanites was just about killing people. And I'll explain it to you guys in that series on inerrancy. It was not about killing people. It was about people, the Canaanites, the evil of the Canaanites, bowing down to God. 
So they were either to stop their practices and bow down to God and become, um, you know, to become Israelites, so to speak, or they leave the land. They chose to fight instead. And God said, okay, no problem. Please judge them. Because of the great evil that was going on there. And so that's why all the Canaanites that, that bowed down to Jehovah became Israelites and they were spared. Rehab even became the ancestor of Jesus. But the others that say, no, we'll keep sacrificing our children. We'll keep worshipping Baal. We'll keep using women as temple, temple harlots to raise money for the gods. He said, you people, and this is your, your, your Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the Canaanites were like Sodom and Gomorrah. You know that thing that Sodom and Gomorrah did was not just an isolated event. <laughs> it was their culture. God said, you either stop and bow down, you live, or you die. Choose one. He said, we want to die. And no problem. Praise God. So Rahab actually had to sacrifice the sense of security from her family and all those things because she believed in God. That is what happened. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever wants to lose their life for me will what? Find it. Now listen. Like I told you before, our faith walk, there is uh, the faith walk that is common to all of us. Do you remember that? There's a faith walk that is common to all of us, our common faith. Like Apostle Paul tells Titus, our common faith. We have a faith work that pertains to all of us. Such that as far as being a Christian is concerned, there are sacrifices that all of us will make. It will be the same thing. It's not unique to anybody. We have to, just like the example I gave, you have to sacrifice your, your, your sense of self-righteousness. You have to sacrifice your, your the security. You know, there's a sense of security in being able to, when, you're, when you have something tangible, that you can hold as a form of security. You know it is comforting. You know it's very comfortable when you have something tangible that you can hold on to. So when you can hold on to yourself as the source of righteousness, it's something tangible. At least you know that when you mess up, Nami mess up. But when you now have to relinquish that comfort to another person that you cannot see physically and trust in what he has done, is a different matter. Just I get what I'm saying to you. You have to sacrifice your sense of self-righteousness. But there are many other things you're going to sacrifice. Daily, you're going to deny your flesh of things that it, that it wants to do. You're going to deny your flesh of many things. You're going to deny yourself of all the things that stand contrary to allowing you to walk worthy of the Lord. Church out together. Our general love work will cause us to make some sacrifices. We talked about some. We talked about one um, two weeks ago. Normally, you're supposed to be able to eat Ilea meat without any problem. But there's a brother beside you that thinks that Ilea meat is um, demonic. Because of him, you have to hide or not eat at all. Church out together. Those are common sacrifices that all of us have. There are a lot of things that we have to have. Our conduct. We have to make sacrifices in order to conduct ourselves like believers. Some people don't want to make some sacrifices of what it takes to be a child of God. The one that begged me today triggered me. It triggered me. You get an alert on your phone. 
And you just want to go like that and spend it. And you're a child of God. You don't want to sacrifice your Babalawu ancestry. You want to bring it into Christianity. Someone sends money, money enters into your account. You don't know where it is from. You didn't work for it. You don't know the name that is in this thing. And you now say, let's just spend this miracle money. <laughs> you can't do that. Do you get what I'm saying to you? Unbelievers are living in certain ways and some things are fun and all that and all that. You cannot do that. Listen to me. Hmm? One of the issues, one of the issues that we're having in our generation that was very stark in the early church, but over time became blunted by reason of the, um, what do you call it, the theocracy of the Roman Empire. That, you know, the theocracy of the Roman Empire blunted it. And so since that time, we've been struggling to really understand it. The church has never really understood it, or not that we don't understand it, but we've never acutely felt it the way the early church felt it. It's the issue of how different the church and the world are. We forgot him. Because the Roman Empire became a Christian empire and then because Christians now became the guys in charge and everything, so everybody, the state's religion and everything, all of us began to began to feel like this world is the, is the kingdom of our Lord and the nations thereof. We now think that, you know, we began to think that the world and us, because we're the ones that owe the world now, we thought that everything was all right. So, that thing has blunted our senses to actually realize that we and the world, we actually have very little in common. Very little. Ah, we have very little in common in terms of our value systems, in terms of how we conduct ourselves, in terms of how we see the world, in terms of the way we conduct ourselves. We have very little in common. This was the problem of the Roman authorities with the Christians. They didn't understand them. They used to call them the superstitious. They didn't understand them. What kind of people were these? Everything about, the, the, about Christianity, down to the tiniest fabric, was antithetical to the way the world was operating. Even to the nature of their gods, the Romans didn't understand. What kind of god are you worshipping that can die on the cross for you? Our own God does not die. It kills people. It kills his enemies. I worship Jupiter because Jupiter favors me so that I can kill other people. How can your own God be saying that they killed him and that's what's beautiful about him? They could not understand it. They could not understand it. We have very little in common with the world. Sometimes the way we panic and get worried that how come the world is not getting this thing? How can they get it? If the fact that you are expecting so much from the world is a bad sign. Do you know that? When you are beginning to expect too much from this world, there's a problem. Maybe you are becoming too attached. We can hardly agree on anything. So the Christian life is actually a life of sacrifice. You're going to let a lot of things go. You're going to let... See... You will be in some kinds of offices. If you're in the kind of office where many of you are not believers, eh? you will sacrifice being in the inner caucus for the sake of your faith. Because in the inner caucus, they have certain common grounds that make them to be able to dance. <laughs> Listen to me. There are some things that we are calling faith. Um, um, what word do I use? There are some things that we are calling faith overcoming 
being more than conquerors, that is actually marrying the world, and we think is faith. Listen to me. There's nothing like more than conqueror. If you're in an office where the inner circle people that are in charge of promotion, what they have in common is that they are adulterers, they know how they steal money, or they are atheists, and they are always against the church and everything, and that's the common ground they have that they have for gisting. And you are them, you don't have anything to gist. When you want to talk about family issue, they will look at you weird. The other day, my wife came to the office, and I was packing my bag, and I was happy that I'm going to go and meet my wife, and the guys were looking at me like, you know, Shelley. He says, because your wife, I'm literally, they say, what's wrong with you? It's because your wife is coming. What's, are you child? what's wrong with you? Literally. I almost felt embarrassed, but I had coconut head. I say, eh, this is not my wife. It's, that's what the guy said. That's what he said. Three of them. Kilo Shele, you are you excited? It's not your wife that is coming. Then, then Joe will be Yes, will be Then she be on Monday. I say, ah, on Monday, you don't. There's some things you don't have in common. Imagine you are not in that kind of place. I'm more than a conqueror, and you are not having things in common, and they are promoting you together. What are you conquering? Do you understand what I just said to you now? There are a lot of things that we don't have in common that you have to let go of. Our common faith. There are some things that you cannot be attached to. You see, on social media, some people have plenty, plenty followers. Me too, I want to have plenty, plenty followers for them. Who are the people that will follow you? Who are the people that will follow you? Is it the same Christians? How many are we? How many are we? By the time all the goats and cows and sheep, everybody is following you and all of them are able to follow you at the same time. Ha! There's a problem. See, your tweets should make some people to have blocked you without ever talking to you. Your tweet, you sh- a Christian's tweets are such that, I'm not talking about being unnecessarily antagonistic. I'm saying just tweeting normal Christian stuff will be such that there are some people that they will have never interacted with you, but your tweets will just be vexing and they will just block you because of this. That is normal. That's what the Christian life looks like in reality. You're supposed to be strange. So you're going to sacrifice a lot of material things. You're going to sacrifice a lot of things in this world for the sake of your faith. And now, when we now even come down to our individual faith, our particular faith, our own faith. That means our faith work with regards to the things that pertain to us. Do you understand that? You see, the first examples I gave, what I just thought about now, our common faith, right? Things that pertain to all believers. Just like Jesus said here, that if you want to follow me, you're going to have to carry your cross and let go of some things. Now, there are some things that pertain to your particular work in Christ, your particular faith, your own faith. That means there are some things in your life that don't pertain to other people, that pertain to what God is doing in your life. You just read the book of Hebrews. No two heroes of faith had the same outcome. No two heroes of faith had the exact same story. No two of them. Everybody's story was different. In that same way, there are some things about you that will be different from other people's own. With respect to the purpose of God for your life, you're going to make some sacrifices. You are going to make some sacrifices. You come from a background where they have taught you that the security of a woman is a mind, a man that has plenty of money, this one, that one, that one, this one, that one. If you are going to walk by faith, you are going to follow the purpose of God for your life. Eh? 
you are we are going to have to let go of all your trust in the things of this world. You must begin to look at God. You must begin to believe in God. You are going to let go of those things, all those security. I guess what I'm saying to you. No man misses it by walking by faith. You can never go wrong when you walk by faith. You can never go wrong when you walk by faith. Listen to me. Some of you, your desire to marry a fair, curvy girl. Colorism. You are going to sacrifice Hito. You guys have heard my story before. Until I sacrificed my own. I did not walk by feet. Oh. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's because you're not walking by feet that you're suffering. <laughs> you are laughing. You guys are just big your kinds of things, but I have to control myself from saying that. You are, you are suffering because you're not walking by faith. You have to sacrifice some useless things. You have to sacrifice some useless things. There are some things that God will ask you to do. Hearing is the difference between what the Bible says that God tested Abraham and when the Bible says that God, um, that God does not tempt any man. Hearing is the difference. Hallelujah. Hearing is the difference. When the Bible says that God tested Abraham, it means that God commanded him to do something which is in accordance to the purpose of God for his life. It is not God trying to set him up for failure. It is him trying to do something, carry out a task that fulfills God's plan for him. Church out together. So, God is not bringing evil to him for him to fall. God is telling him to do something good. Temptation is asking you to do something bad. God testing Abraham, what it meant there was that God asked him to do something good. Do you understand that? For example, like James chapter 1 tells us that if a man, if a man has a lust, a woman comes to want you to tempt adultery. That is evil coming to ask you to do evil. Do you understand? God will not bring evil and ask you to do evil. God cannot even behold iniquity. So when God, when the Bible says that God tested Abraham, what it means is that God said, go and do something that is the purpose of God for your life. And it looks like a test from human perspective because it looks like a big thing to you. Do you understand that? It looks like a big thing to you. That's why you called it a test. When God said, go and do something. You say, ah, God, you are testing because you asked me to go and do something. You are the one calling it a test, not God. Do you understand what I just said now? From God's perspective, he has looked at your capacity. He has seen your purpose and he knows what is inside of you and he's asking you to go and do it. In the same way, you're going to do a lot of stuff. There are a lot of individual things that happen like that on a personal level that I cannot be telling you your own. That's why it is your particular faith. I can give you examples like my own. There was a time, not too long ago, just a few years ago, where I was sure that me too, I'm writing plab, I'm leaving this country for you people. Buhari has suffered us enough. I'm leaving this country for you people. And the Lord said, no, that's not what I'm going to have. I had to sacrifice it for the sake of what God wanted me to do. I did not even know that it was going to be ministry like this now. I had to sacrifice it for the sake of this. I had to sacrifice the possibility of pounds and security and no Boko Haram and no all those things that Nigeria brings your way. If I was there now, I'll be following them to tweet, what, a, what kind of country is Nigeria? You people should go and vote. <laughs> <laughs> I've been tweeting you people should go and vote. What kind of country is this? Well, I've been tweeting <laughs> what's competence? <laughs> oh my god. 
Sometimes I still think about it once in a while. It comes to my mind. Sometimes some things will just happen. Me and my wife will just jokingly say, Ah, God, she will not just leave this country like this. I have to sacrifice it for the sake of the purpose of God for my life. There are many things like that that you are also going to do. Psychological sacrifices. Sacrifices of your, of your, of your material things for the sake of the purpose of God for your life. There will be times when God, don't forget what Apostle Paul says. God says, that's what I'm going to teach next, don't worry. That will be the next series I'm going to talk about. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul tells us that God enriches you so that you can be generous for every good. So that means that God actually blesses you with the mind of a need that he wants to meet. Do you know that? God will tell you, Alaye, don't forget what purpose is, guys. Purpose is to do something. God will now tell you that the reason why I have blessed you with this is because I want you to do this. You have looked at the money and you have seen it as traveling abroad money. But God says, purpose, I want you to do this. Walking by faith, you have to sacrifice it to do, to do it. Remember when I got married? <laughs> I just got married then. This marriage is just going to be me and my wife. Nobody can disturb us. It will just be me, my wife, and my children. We'll just be enjoying ourselves. You know? And Pastor Shalad then will just laugh. Pastor Shalad will just laugh then. Say, no, it's just me, my wife. You know, it's just going to be me. I'm not going to let anybody come. If I want people are going to come, that's why going to come in between your wife. Mm. <laughs> you can cannot. God has sent you to some people. You must do it. You sacrifice your feeling of, ah, you know, kiniko, kiniko, and say, ah, you know. <laughs> let me give you examples. Follow them that, because we are even saying, I know what I've done. So let me just give you good examples so that when your time comes, you can also do good. About when people are not many, when we're not, we're living alone. Sometimes I have to just wake up and say, you know what? Today we're going to eat shawarma and chicken. I just wake up, just go to shawarma, eat chicken. But I just buy some drinks. There was one Father's Day picture. Sometimes I look at the food that she cooked for me that Father's Day. I cannot try it. Now, I cannot. Sometimes I'll just look at myself and say, ah, I want to enjoy myself. Then I look at responsibility and say, no, I cannot. Church, are you getting what I'm saying to you? For the sake of purpose, you will look at what God will have you do and you will let it go. If you want to have a good marriage, if you want to have a Christian marriage, listen to me now. Let it sink into your mind. This worldly idea that marriage is about me, I'm going to enter to have a good time. I want someone that will make me enjoy myself. I want someone that will treat me right. I want someone that will be nice to me. I want someone that will be this thing and all that. This, this, that idea is a very rubbish idea. Settle your mind now. The reason why we tell you to choose a good partner is not because we are telling you to choose a good partner because we want the, because the partner is meant to be treating you right. The reason why is to, is to, let me explain. The reason why we do that is to mitigate your risks so that you don't suffer too much. We are not saying that because the person's, your primary responsibility is for you to be fed or for you to be served. You enter marriage with the mind of, I am going to serve this person. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Are you getting what I'm saying to you? That is what Christian, if you want to have a good marriage, listen to me now. Just know it in your mind. That whoever you are choosing, you are going to choose the person because you want to serve the person. 
That is your primary role. It is to serve the person, not to be served by the person. If this is working by faith in marriage, working by faith is not believing God for your list. You are going to marriage to serve the person. And the reason why Christians, the reason why we now tell you that you should watch out for certain things is because we don't want you to be serving someone that will also be suffering you back. We are not saying that because we think that the primary thing is for the person to be serving you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Babe, am I saying this well? I guess what I'm saying to you. This worldly idea of it's all about me, you have to sacrifice yourself if you want to have a Christian marriage where God will honor you. Where God will honor your efforts. You have to... That's one of the problems that I've always had that I've found it hard to communicate with people with respect to the whole leadership and submission arguments between men and women and all that. Because even the women that are anti-Christian submission, they are giving control vibes. Everything is always about control. When people try to balance it from both sides. When people are thinking of head of the family, they are thinking the person that is controlling everybody. And then some people, in a, in a way to balance it out so that the Bible does not look like such a bad sexist book, they will now say, no, the man is the head, but the woman is the neck. And by saying that, what they are now inferring is that the woman is the one exerting what? Control. Do you understand what has happened now? It's the same problem. Everybody is thinking of control. Everybody is thinking of control. But listen to me, that's why we and the world, we don't have, there are a lot of things that we cannot agree on. Please, guys, I'm telling you, please, be careful. Don't, don't let the world shape your values. Don't let the world shape your hearts. I'm begging you, don't read God's plan with the mentality of the world. It does not work. When the Bible is talking about the Christian marriage, it is you people with your evil spirit of the 21st century that are offended. When Jesus is talking about it, what he is explaining, what he is talking about is a man that serves his wife, that dies for his wife the way Christ died for the church. And a woman that loves her husband and submits to her husband as every believer should for other people. There is no control in that statement. There is no control in that equation. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? This obsession with power and influence over another person either from the male side or from the female side, is not in the equation. That's why you cannot approach God's word with a worldly mindset. See, if you want to live, have a Christian marriage, your obsession and desire for control, you have to sacrifice it. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? You have to sacrifice your obsession for control. Your being the head of your family unit is not about you controlling your wife. It's about you sacrificing and leading your wife. You have a vision for your family and your job is to get the family to that vision. You are going to let yourself go a lot of times. You are going to sacrifice a lot of things a lot of times. And your wife also is meant to allow you to do your job. Giving preference to you. The ideal picture of a Christian man and his wife when they want to make a decision. Let me tell you what the real picture is. It is, babe, what do you think? This is what I think. Babe, what do you think? Oh, yeah, let's do your own. No, let's do your own. No, let's do your own. Let's do your own. No, let's do your own. Let's do your own. Okay, you know what? Let's just do it like this. That's what a real Christian marriage looks like. Do you understand what I just said now? All this, I'm the head of the home, but I'm the neck. It's not Christianity. 
There's a whole lot. God will send you to some places and say, this is the particular place that I want you to go to. You have to sacrifice. You sacrifice your sense of security. That's why sometimes, most of, a lot of times, walking by faith is actually sacrificing your sense of security. God will send you to a land that you do not know where it is. Praise God. God will send you to a land that you do not know where it is. God will say, go into this particular career line. God does it. He does. It's just that I don't know the kind of spirit that I have. I don't know how God just helped me. Right? Uncertainty has never really been a problem for me. As long as my wife is okay and God is with me. I just know that God is with me. I just know that God, okay, I think I know why. I think God has provided a lot of evidence for me in the past that made me realize that God is with me. I will always be okay. When it comes to uncertainty, God, for some reason, the certainty of clinical line, I just knew from the one that that's not my part in life. There were opportunities. Just know that this is not where you are going. You are going this way. And there was uncertainty. You just want you still go. Yet somehow, that's what it's going to be for many of you too. There will be some lines that God will want you to walk in. At first, it will be like as if no gigs are coming and all that. But you know. I hope you know that God is particular about those things. Yeah, it's real this um, one point Calvinist that will tell you that God does not care about your career and all that. Oh. God plans career for people. Oh. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? God will tell you, go in this line. I, in my preferred will for you, this is the one I prefer for you to enter. You will hear, you will know in your heart. As you are thinking, as you are trusting God, you will know that this is direction. Sometimes when you enter that path, it will look strange. It will look like, what are we going to do? How is this thing going to be? But you know that God is with you. You have to sacrifice your sense of comfort so that you can enter. It is when you enter it that God will now honor himself. Should I get what I'm saying? See, your need for physical evidence, physical, tangible evidence, eh? as a human being, you have to let it go. The intangible evidence that God provides, the evidence from his word, the evidence from your past work with him and your testimonies, where you have known how God does, it's not every time you're looking for tangible evidence, oh. not every time. Oh. Are you hear what I'm saying? This need for tangible evidence and all that is the, that is why people are entering trouble. You are looking for someone to give you a, a prophet to come and talk to you. In walking by faith, you have to sacrifice all those things. You are not a babalawe anymore. You don't need someone to come and prophesy and be telling you something every time. Sometimes you will not hear prophecy. Sometimes it is between you, God's word, and what you received in your heart in the place of prayer. That will be all the evidence that you have. You will go with it. Church, are you getting what I'm saying to you? There is no version of your faith work where you will not make plenty of sacrifices. Get used to it now. But this is the thing. If a man sacrifices what he has to in his faith work, the reward is always beautiful. That's why God, Jesus says something here. Look at what he says. He says that if you lay down your life, you will do what? Find it. If you lay down your life, you will find it. See, if God has promised something, trust God and make the sacrifices for it, he will honor you. Sometimes there may be a terrible, there might be a temporary period of suffering, of inconvenience. I know people don't like me saying that word. Yeah, let me say inconvenience. There may be a temporary time of inconvenience. <laughs> In between then, listen to me, you trust God and hold through till the end. God will honor you. 
God will honor you. I've told you before. God is not an irresponsible God that separates responsibility from privilege. If you honor God, he will honor you. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? If you honor God, he will honor you. If you honor God, he will honor you. Let's go of the things of the flesh and sacrifice them for the sake of your Christian work. God will honor your Christian work. God will break things into your Christian experience that will make, that will, that will make your sacrifices of those things to be, to be beautiful. Are you know what I'm saying? If God sends you on a particular path, even when things are inconvenient and things don't look like it, honor God. Listen to me. You can go the cheap way and stay in God's tolerated will. You can go the cheap way and stay in the God's tolerated will, but you will stay on a level. There are some things that you are meant to do that you will not do. Do you understand that? But if you trust God, even if you make a mistake, even if you are making a mistake, but you are making those sacrifices for the sake of God, God in his endless creativity is able to turn it around and honor you. There is no man that sacrifices for the sake of the purpose of God that was left the same. Do you understand that? It is the fact. What God will honor you with might not be the worldly standards of honor, but you, you will know that that honor, there's nothing better than it. Moses did not become the Pharaoh. He didn't become the king of Egypt, but he became the judge of Israel. Church, I was together. He did not have the splendors of Pharaoh and all those things that was in the wilderness, but the honor, the honor of being the judge of Israel. There's no Pharaoh in human history that has more clout than Moses today. True or true? Look at all those men that sacrificed. Abraham let down Isaac, you see. He left his father's house for comfort. He left his, the comfort of his father's home and went to another land. Look at what God rewarded him with. By the time he was dying, he was negotiating with the king of the land. You see that? Look at all of them. Look at all of them. What, what, did, they, what did they leave? Oh, the most beautiful example, Jesus. He laid down his life for our sake. And what did he get? Many brothers and sons in return. He became the firstborn from the dead. He became a corn that did not die alone. He, he came out with many people. Church, I got sense to you. Do you hear that? That's how me I know that even though I sacrificed plow for the sake of the gospel, Abby, amen. Amen. I never see him, but I'm waiting. I'm in the inconvenience period. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Church, I went together. I know that God will honor my decision. I know that God will honor my decision. If you, while you're in school, a lot of people are toasting you, a lot of boys with big cars are toasting you and everything, and they are rich because you're a fine girl, you're getting attention from people, but you honor God and you don't marry or date boys based on all those useless things, but you honor God and you honor the right Christian reason for marriage and then you look like one guy out of the trenches and both of you, you honor God and you date him, God will honor you. God will honor your union. I get what I'm saying to you. You relinquish your desire for control and give everything to your partner. God will honor your decision. God will honor your decision. Sometimes there may even be a place of inconvenience in between where they take advantage of you. They will take advantage of you and there will be some teething issues and there will be some rough spots and all that. Listen to me. God will honor your sacrifice. God will honor your sacrifice. God will honor your sacrifice. I guess what I'm saying to you? 
you sacrifice material things for the sake of the gospel, God will honor your sacrifice. You will see the reward of what you have done. You will see the fruit in all kinds of ways. God will honor your sacrifice. So, shall you get what I'm saying to you? If you are going to walk by faith, do not expect that you'll be able to do what you like and walk by faith. Walking by faith will cost you. It will be inconvenient. I will not say painful again. It will be inconvenient. Walking by faith can be inconvenient. But the fruits are bound to much righteousness. Hallelujah. Church, I was together. Do you understand that? Praise God. So be ready to walk by faith. Let your heart expand. Don't, don't settle into the worldly way of thinking. Let your heart expand. Think like a Christian. Think like a believer. Think like a believer. Apostle Paul said that, see, as far as Judaism is concerned, I'm a Jew of Jews. See, I'm a Pharisee. I'm of the line of Benjamin. I can trace my line back to Benjamin himself. But I'm going to count all those things rubbish for the sake of justification by faith. You're going to let some things go. To check what I'm saying to me, you can't have it all. You cannot have it all. You cannot have the things of this world and have your faith work. It is not possible. You cannot have worldly value systems and have a Christian home. It's not possible. You cannot have the purpose of God for your career and choose your own career. It's not possible. You have to let one go. To check what I'm saying to you. And once you commit yourself to it, the grace of God will be made available. Listen to me. You are going to make some sacrifices you don't know you are capable of. It's when you come out of it, you will look back. You too will be sharing your story and you will be laughing. Some things you will not think you are capable of. There are some things that some years after, when you are looking at the sacrifice you make, it will be so shocking to you that you will be asked, you will be wondering if you can do it again. <laughs> this thing I just said now. Did you hear what I just said now? There are some things that you will do for God that you will look back at what you did and you ask yourself, am I sure I am able to do this? If you trust God, the grace to do what is required for the sake of God's purpose for your life will be made available. Church, all together. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.